Oh, it's the breath of the vocal, the vocal flow. Welcome to Vocal Scope. I'm your host, Juliette Caton, and in this episode, we meet Walt Fritz, a physical therapist from New York. Walt has been using manual therapy as his primary intervention strategy for over 25 years. And for the past six years, he has been addressing neck, swallowing and voice disorders through a technique called myofascia release. Now, Walt has been an educator since 1995, and he travels throughout the USA and internationally, presenting his work to speech pathologists, massage therapists and vocal coaches. Having trained myself in laryngeal manipulation with Jacob Lieberman, I was really interested to find out more about Walt's work and what we might learn about myofascia release and the potential for its impact on the voice. Walt Fritz, a warm welcome from the UK to the USA. Good morning, good evening, or good afternoon. Where are we? <laughs> uh, it's afternoon here, Juliet, and thanks so much for having me. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. I really want to get straight in, and I want for you to explain to our confused listeners what this crazy thing called fascia is. What is that, and what is myofascia release? Oh, right. So um, confused listeners, are they are, are they necessarily confused? We'll have to start there. Um, if you're confused about fascia and what fascia is, um, simply put, fascia is connective tissue. Fascia is ubiquitous throughout the entire body. Fascia separates, connects, um, and apparently, according to some people, communicates. Um, I learned myofascia release. Let's just break that down for a second. Myo meaning muscle, fascia meaning connective tissue, and release meaning, I guess it means stretch, to let go. Myofascia release, I learned it in a way that somehow almost every problem in the human condition was blamed on fascial restrictions, but tightness within the fascia, that, um, that nobody else in medicine or in anywhere else could detect except us trained professionals and if i sound cynical and sarcastic i am very um and it was taught in a way that um fascia can get bound down or scarred or restricted and that by putting pressure which means stretch or other sorts of things into the body that we can singularly and selectively stretch that fascia to restore normal movement in the person now my cynicism and my sarcasm comes not from the years of experience I have doing this work because I've been doing it for a long time. And the work that I was taught with my hands is really quite effective for issues of pain and all sorts of disorders and newer in this whole voice field that I'm entering into in the field of vocal performance as well. My cynicism and sarcasm comes from the lack of acceptance that um, fascia is to blame by people outside um, my particular rabbit hole of myofascial release um, therapy. Um, so over the past 10 or 15 years, I've drifted from thinking it's all about the fascia and now moved into the present day where the problem is manifested in the human, not in the fascia. Just like people who say it's all about the muscle tone or tension, they're missing a whole big aspect of 
neurology and behavioral science by blaming that muscle as being responsible. So what is fascia? Um, it's a part of the human condition. It's part of anatomy. It's a part of the physiology of the person and their function and maybe dysfunction, but it's probably less important than some in my, um, in my community of mouthwash release therapists will have you believe. How's that for a long answer to a short question? It's awesome. And, you know, we are no longer confused. And I, I, I sort of, you know, I, I started <laughs> off with, confused, right? <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. I, you know, I started from a confused perspective because vocal scope is all about breaking things down, making it accessible and just making sure that we can all get on the same page as easy easily as possible, you know? So what you've really done there is given us a wonderful context for the work. So what you're really saying to us is, although we might call it myofascia release, um, that actually um, there are all sorts of other things at play here. And we can't just label it as one thing because the voice is a dynamic system. All sorts of things, other things come into play and are connected. Is that correct? Oh, it's it's absolutely correct, and I'm I'm going to revert back to my my go-to term of the rabbit hole. We've all we all learn rabbit hole type of interventions, rabbit hole um, treatment strategies. If you're a person who relies on breath and you've learned a certain model of breathing, then everything, every not every, but nearly every problem is stated from the context of that that education you learn in breathing, and every intervention is is taken by the breathing therapy. Same thing with muscle tension work. People who to teach manual circumlaryngeal work to the to the laryngeal mechanism, everything becomes about a muscle tension issue. And somehow they think everything that they do is is addressing that muscle tension. Fascia and myofascial release, it's the same thing, the rabbit hole. But really, you know, if you can step out of a rabbit hole and look around at what are, what the other rabbits are doing, which is the other professionals, you know, we're all doing these really good works. What I try to strive for is a more, I don't want to say generic because that simplifies things too much, but a more generally accepted way of explaining um, how manual touch, how manual therapy, some might call it massage, how those methodologies affect the human condition, not just the tissue. Fantastic. And so what does a session actually feel like? Singers, professional voice users, we feel very protective over our instrument. And some people might think that having somebody fiddling with, meddling with, maneuvering their, 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 their larynx and, uh, and, and the tissue around it would, would maybe be uncomfortable, uh, may feel like uh, they may have a fear around suffocation or, 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 or pain. What does an experience with a, in a session with you feel like? Um, it's a great question. Um, I'm, I'm going to step back for a second because the way people do my work or related work is everything from incredibly light touch that almost feels like they're doing nothing to very invasive type of touch that feels like they could hurt somebody, right? You've got this massive bell curve of how people feel the work works best. Um, I try and enter into a continuum that the patient, number one, feels safe and it's permission-based. We explain that nothing should feel too much and not right in any way. I don't try and talk you into um, the equivalent of biting on a stick while I dig this pain out of you or whatever it is we're dealing with, right? I don't try and convince you that it has to hurt to help. Um, 
the other piece of it is you talked about um, protecting the instrument as well as a feeling of suffocation. And those could be over conscious awarenesses of, of conditions and issues and past trauma, if you will. But then there's so many underlying subconscious or forgotten aspects of not just the neck, but anywhere in the body that, that touch, touch-based interventions can easily trigger if you're not careful. I'm pretty cognizant of that, both in the work that I do as well as the work that I teach, that I, I work from a strong client-based perspective where you're helping me decide what's important for intervention, okay? It's not about me and my ego telling you what's wrong with you and what should be done. It's a negotiated partnership between you and I to best figure out what might help. And if that's touch, if that's stretching, so to speak, that's kind of what I do. I stretch people with a slow hands-on type of work. If the stretching work that I do is going to help you, it's going to be you that decides that, not me. It's a little hard to explain verbally how a full session could go. Um, later in this um, interview, we're going to talk about some links. And I, and I put up a really nice 20-minute video that I made in London a couple of months ago when I was there. We did a session with a singer having some experiences of discomfort and strain on the right side of his neck. And the, the, the video shows me and in the interview. It shows me in the evaluation as well as treatment. And it shows him with some pre-treatment um, voicing as well as some post-treatment voicing. And I think the outcome was nice because not only could folks hear the difference, but more importantly to me, he could feel the difference in himself that felt sense. And the way I engage with Ronan in the video really best exemplifies the way I think this work can work. And that's that it doesn't have to hurt. It shouldn't be threatening. Um, and the patient's in total control. Okay, that's Excuse great. Excuse me, for, I often use the word patient. Um, I'm a physical therapist. I use that word patient. So um, if that word is not quite your word, substitute the word of your choice to represent the people that you work with. Got it. Thank you. No, that's great. I don't have problems with uh, with using that word because it's appropriate to how you would regard somebody that, somebody that walks into your your your, your practice. Um, right. So 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 um, I've I've watched the the footage of you working with that gentleman, and uh, what I just really loved was the way in which you were requesting that he really dig deep in his explanation and communication to you of what his experiences of his symptoms were and and to be really specific and and it was just a beautiful dance between you of you just really listening to 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 his starting point so that you could then make sure that you were in the right place and position to to start working with him and it it was really lovely what performance issues do you feel this work can address in singers, actors, voiceover artists? How might singing teachers and voice coaches learn of and apply this work in their coaching and, uh, and teaching? What's, what, what's the possibility here? Well, I think that some of the more generally heard terms of, of vocal fatigue, um, tongue tension, vocal strain, um, those take on a lot of different meanings for a lot of different people, what those those phrases mean. But those are probably the most common um, uh, complaints, if you will, that um, somebody might seek my help or 
more more frequently, what I hear back is feedback from people that I trained, how they were able to help people with issues of tongue tension, of tongue, of vocal fatigue, vocal strain, hoarseness, dysphonia. Um, but you've got then a lot of other interesting niche type of disorders. And it's whether it's in the pathological population, meaning somebody had an injury, surgery, or, or something like that, where as therapists, we're trying to bring them back to good, so to speak, right? But then you've got the vocal performer who are you taking from good and trying to get them to be better. But even within that person who's at the upper end of the range, there's you. I'm telling you your job. You know that they're super alert to all those little nuances of strain and, and, and difficulty. What I think is, for instance, when we do tongue work, um, when I say tongue work, we just basically do some really nice, gentle um, stretching to the tongue itself, right? Take a hold of the muscle, if you will. And and we we stretch it, not aggressively, but slow and nuanced in a way that they can start to recognize that whatever you're doing right now with a particular point in space that you're pulling it and squeezing it in, in whatever, that you're hitting that point way back where I start to feel that, that strain or that difficulty I get um, when I try to go to that place to that voice to that volume whatever that is um so also the, not only the sense of vocal strain um and tongue tension but what i've seen and i saw this long before i started working with say your population i saw this in my post-surgical post-radiation and even um children with developmental disabilities or things like that where oral motor skills were slow to develop and you start I call it engaging versus treating, right? Engaging the tongue, engaging the oral mechanism, engaging the floor of the mouth, the hyoid region. Then you could hear the changes in articulation, clarity, the lack of full, the lack of that full tongue feeling. And I, I just finished a class in New York City this weekend, and it, it's always a blast teaching this class. And um, it's it's also kind of interesting, um, instead of a dark way, when people get their tongue treated and when they're done and they go to start speaking or singing they're not quite certain what to do with that tongue because it doesn't quite work in the same way it did just a few minutes earlier and i don't mean we we wreck them or make them worse it just takes a little bit of neural repatterning allowing the brain to, to sort of reprocess where this tongue can go and what it might be capable of and it, it the the brain is a marvelous system and the nervous system is a marvelous system in that it quickly reorganizes and sends to that muscle via the nervous system um, the ways to figure all this out and to, first of all, to talk or sing again, but then hopefully to change the clarity that, that one both hears as well as, I think, more importantly, what one feels. I love that. I, I, I've been smiling the whole time you've been talking. You know, we use a lot of tongue stretching in, in the work that I do because the tongue is just such a bully and it can really have such a, a, such a, a negative impact. And, right. it, 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 you know, it needs taking control over. Um, and the thought of somebody else actually sort of stretching my tongue is, uh, I was thinking, wow, what an experience. So is this something we can do to ourselves? Are these techniques that we have to, you know, see a, a, somebody who, who practices in, in this or or is this something that we can learn and then uh, practice on ourselves? I think, I think that there's good potential for one to pick up a lot of this on their own, 
or with a little bit of guidance, whether it's through a book or, um, you know, I'll, I'll refer back to my links. I have a YouTube channel with nothing but self-treatment type of videos that I set up with my model in, in some filming sessions to for, for therapists and professionals to then share with their patients. I think, I do think, and this is my bias, I do think there's a benefit to first having been treated, having been touched in this way by somebody who who has the skill, if you will, but who also can apply the narrative of you don't have to pull hard. You simply have to pull or engage in a way that you start a feedback loop of relevance. That's the most important thing, not just to stretch, if let's just call a tongue a muscle for the time being, not just to stretch the muscle because that in and of itself may have no meaning, but to take the tongue and the brain that's connected to a tongue to a three-dimensional position in space where the person, their tongue, they can begin to connect with relevance, feeling that difficulty, right? Let's just say vocal strain, feeling that vocal strain or tongue tension that whatever the therapist did with your tongue at that moment, that yeah, they just tapped into that familiar feeling. I think that's the, to me, that's one of the key differences to a a very client or patient-centered approach such as mine. And um, other forms of modalities, which are all really good, they all work, where a stretch is a stretch. And why do you stretch it? Because that's part of the intervention. I don't stretch the, anything. I don't, I don't do my work. If my patient sub, doesn't somehow say that whatever you're doing right now, that feels important, that feels like it might be useful without me trying to sell them on that, right? It should all come from within them, not from me. Fantastic. And so if we take that a step further into the voice coaches and singing teachers who might now be really switched on to the sound of this work and might be getting excited about the prospect of maybe looking at integrating it into their teaching practice, how possible is that? How how, how much training do you regard a voice professional might need to be able to to deliver that within their current field of coaching and teaching? What's your feeling on that? It's it's an interesting question, and I'm going to step back from the question for just a moment that you know, the legalities of touch, right? Mm. Um, I'm going to speak to the United States, for for instance. We're very, um, you know, legal conscious when it comes to that. Um, physical therapists, speech language pathologists, you know, et cetera, massage therapists, we're licensed to touch. We have a, you know, um, et cetera. We're, we're legally licensed to do the work. But I get people coming to my classes in the States who who don't technically have a legal license to touch, for instance, a vocal coach. Um, Part of their work involves often touching the person, right? Even if it's just um, touch for cueing, um, there's, there are some gray areas, okay? So the, the reason I bring that up is I, I don't want to say, I don't want to overstate anybody's official scope of practice, what they're allowed and not allowed to do. So there's my disclaimer. How's that? Um, how long does it take to learn? I think, I think that... I, in a two-day workshop, which is just so happens to be the length of my workshop, I think you can leave a, 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 an experience like that feeling like you can begin to include this work. I, I would never say to anybody, oh, no, you have to work through all these advanced levels of training before you can touch somebody because you're missing such wonderful opportunities 
to learn from each and every patient, every each and every client you interact with, you're going to learn more the more you touch. But if you don't touch, you're never going to learn. So I think it's possible to start integrating it right away. One of the things about the, the way I teach my seminar, it's a two-day class where for the most part, it's all hands-on work where you're working with a partner um, throughout the course of that two-day class. You're not only experiencing giving the touch, but receiving the touch. Um, you're receiving the work, but the work is more than just the stretching that we do with our, hand, our hands. The work is the didactic experience that happens between the two people, um, each one of them sharing and feeling, and the therapist, so to speak, who's playing the role of the therapist, applying a stretch in an area of the body, but asking and almost demanding feedback from the patient. To me, when I'm working with somebody, I don't care whether it's a vocal disturbance or because I'm a physical therapist, I work with the whole body or with foot pain. If my patient in the moment is not knowing what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, meaning they're not feeling a relative connection to why they're in my office, then I'm probably not doing my job properly. None of my work is, okay, we need to do all these build-up skills or build-up things before we get to the actual thing you're here for. We start right in, and I think you can see that very quickly in that video that you watched um, on that 21 Channels YouTube channel of mine, that you know, we kind of go right for Ronan's um, vocal fatigue and, and discomfort issue under his right ear. And it, it took me a while to kind of find it, but that's the nature of my work. I need to keep probing and be curious and ask the questions. And if I don't, um, I need to work harder. So can somebody pick this up quickly and briefly? Yeah, I think they can. And then they start applying it. I know, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you speak in a moment there, but um, I, I tr I've worked with a, quite a few vocal coaches who've taken my seminars here in the States, as well as over when I taught in Australia last year. And I know that from feedback that I've gotten from them on social media, that they're now applying this sort of touch-based intervention and adding it to all the other wonderful vocal coaching and um, work that they do. And it's not that this is better and you're going to only do this from now on. This is just adding a layer of relevance and potential to your work and the, and the work of your clients. That's fantastic. Thank you. And where yeah. are we with research now? And, and and what's your opinion of that? Is 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 it, you know, are, are we in a good place with research? Um, and and what are your hopes really for the field of, of, of research when we're when we're looking at this? Yeah, most uh, the vast majority of the research when it comes to um, whether it's myofascial release or the broader term of manual therapy for vocal dysphonias and vocal um, issues tends toward the dysfunction, right? Tends toward the muscle tension dysphonia patient, trying to take them from dysfunction into function. Um, there is less out there for the vocal athlete, for the vocal performer, but it is out there. I, I can easily, if we, if we end up having a link for some of this um, conversation we're having, I can easily link a few papers that talk about using manual, well, manual circumlaryngeal work, which some of your listeners may be familiar with, um, which bears an uncanny resemblance to the work I do. Um, you know, there is evidence out there stating that that sort of work and this sort of work can be useful for somebody without a, a dysfunction per se to give them um, a better vocal range or better um, long, or um, better time frame before they hit a vocal fatigue kind of place. It's, it's not a lot, 
but um, th- there is enough evidence to say that at least there's we're working from um, a moderate level of evidence-based practice, which is vital in the United States that we do that as a physical therapist. I'm expected to work from an evidence-based model, which means I have the evidence to support my work. Um, I'm not sure about the UK when it comes to licensed professionals or non-licensed professionals, but in the United States, the evidence-based model is, it's a, it's a triangle, an equilateral triangle. One side of that triangle is the actual published research, right? That's what we're expected to work from. The second leg of the triangle is the therapist experience applying that evidence. That's supposed to be a third. The third leg of that triangle is patient preference and patient experience and patient feedback. And that's the one that I think in my in all the fields that I teach this work in goes completely unrespected that the patient is basically dependent on the expertise of the of the professional. And I, I don't, I, my model is totally about patient perspective. Not that I give them total reign, but I really honor that third leg of the evidence-based model where the patient plays a vital and crucial role in determining intervention and determining treatment. So um, where did, where did we start that question? I'm sorry. I kind of got off on a, <laughs> kind of a bit of a tangent. No, you, um, you, oh, in, ter- in terms research. of the evidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I would love, you know, I would love to see more work being done for certainly for mouthwasher release, for manual circumlaryngeal work, for manual therapies. When it comes to all the things we talked about for before, with the tongue, with the jaw, with the the with the voice, right, with the organ of the voice, um, I would love to get involved with research myself. And I'm kind of on the early end of of um, exposing some potential outs or resources for that on some ideas that I have in mind to see if we can, you know, maybe add some credence to my slower approach versus mm-hmm. some of the other approaches, which tend to be viewed as more aggressive and quicker and protocol based. And my work is about the protocol is establishing the feedback with the patient. That's the protocol versus we're going to do 10 seconds at this level and 10 seconds at this level. Um, like much of the manual circumlaryngeal work is. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, and, yes. and, and just bringing us um, slowly to a close, I've got three more generic questions, which um, I'm Please. going to be looking at asking all the people uh, that I inter- interview on VocalScope. And the first of, uh, of those questions is, who for you is an inspiration uh, to you personally when it comes to vocal performance, vocal research, or vocal pedagogy, and, and why? Um, um, I am going to drop back to some, a few of my mentors, um, Mm. in this field, in the field of of speech language pathology in the United States. And, and both of them tend to in, are more involved with voice than they are with the other aspects of swallowing, et cetera. Jan Potter Reed and Barbara Wilson Arbolita are two of my, um, mentors, if you will. Jan Potter first got me started back in 2013, um, teaching a class on voice and swallowing for speech pathologists when I really knew nothing about their world and your world. And since then, jo- Jan has been a real um, a real friend and mentor in educating me and opening doors for me, getting me into the Voice Foundations to teach workshops there in Philadelphia, et cetera. Um, and Barbara Wilson has been really my mentor when it can't, comes to almost a supervisory level. She also was involved with voice um, at Mass Ioneer in, in Boston. 
but um, sort of keeping reins on me as a physical therapist building a bridge to speech pathologists and voice professionals to make sure that I'm making my teachings relevant for you, right? Um, because I'm not a I'm not a speech pathologist. I'm not a voice professional, um, but I I think I'm a good bridge builder, and she's helped me build a lot of bridges there. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, and can yeah. you briefly share us a, a story or a time in your journey with the voice when you experienced an aha moment? Yeah, yeah. Um, my aha moments with voice started long before I even thought of of doing what I'm doing with teaching this workshop for voice professionals. Um, it was in my physical therapy profession doing this work. Um, Picking a patient with cervical pain, with neck pain, where I started to do the manual therapy, do the myofascial release on their neck, especially in the in the front of the neck. Picture that place on the uh, on the front of the spine behind the thyroid cartilage, and I was doing work that I was taught decades ago by the people who taught me this work for neck pain. And as I entered into that space with my fingers in a real gentle way, in essence, seeking out the place where they hurt or the place that connected with their pain, whether it was local or down their arm or whatever. And, and the patient then starting to tell me about that's the place where, where my voice gets tired. And it was fascinating because I was reaching into their neck and I was palpating an area with them at rest. They weren't speaking, they weren't singing, but they were telling me that even though they weren't singing or speaking, I was replicating their place of vocal fatigue. And to me, that was, that was kind of, that was a game changer for me. Mm. And uh, then to take that and realize that sometimes that same spot is the place where the person has difficulty swallowing. And if you follow the evidence for dysphagia, which is swallowing difficulty and dysphonia, right? There's, there's a fair amount of overlap in certain classifications of Mm. muscle tension, dysphonia with muscle tension, dysphagia. So that was really an aha moment for me to realize that here I am a PT working on somebody's neck pain, but I seem to be impacting their voice as well. And as the neck pain diminished, often the voice issue would improve. So there was my aha right there. And that was years Mm. and years ago. Such a a profound moment of realization. Um, And uh, which voice is your most favorite voice in the world and why? Uh-huh. Yeah, so I think if I really had to pick a voice that I I just it really sings to me. Um, her name is Frazy Ford. She's a she's a singer songwriter from Vancouver, British Columbia. Who um, she just does some unique vocal phrasings that you know I read her YouTube video comments and some people hate her voice and think you know why are you trying to do that with your voice? But to me, she goes to places that just they it it really speaks to me. And if you want to know. If you want to hear what I'm talking about, listen to Indian Ocean by Crazy Ford. And um, you may hate her or you may love that voice as much as I do. I just, um, you know, I, I really do think that she's my favorite voice. Oh, thank you for sharing that. I think we're, you, you can probably hear all, all, everybody on their keyboards right now going, who, 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 Frazy Ford, right? Okay, let's go, let's Frazy go. Frazy Ford, go to Yeah, YouTube. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, great, great, great. I love that. 
And lastly, uh, where can we find out more about your work? So anyone who's interested in finding out about the courses that you do, um, I mean, you're worldwide, you know, you've, you've talked about Australia, I know you're shortly to come to the UK, uh, you practice in the US as well. So um, where do we go? You can go to my website. WaltFritz.com is by far the easiest place to find me. Um, that's Walt, just my name, WaltFritz.com. There are links there to my blog, which anybody who thinks they have something important to say in life has a blog, and I'm certainly no different. I write about what I do. I write about what I think. I write about my biases and my cynicisms on there. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. I, um, I've got a couple different YouTube playlists and YouTube channels. One is the, is my brand new channel called 21 questions, which has grown to 25 questions already. Um, and it's questions that speech and voice professionals would have about me and my work and the work that I do and how it compares. And a lot of what we covered today is on there, but also that, that demonstration video, which I think is really helpful for people. I also have a little separate sub channel on there for, um, for the self-help type of interventions. Um, you can follow me on Facebook. But um, yeah, I, over the next 12 months, I'm going to be in Scotland. I'm going to be in England, in Birmingham. I'm going to be up in Dundee. I'm going to be in New Zealand, Australia, all over the United States, in Toronto, Canada. And I was in Taiwan earlier this year. We're heading to Macau early next year. And, you know, I, I'm I, this is what I do for a living. So if you want to bring me in, um, send me an email from my website because I, lo I, I love teaching and I love traveling and I love connecting with people. Um, and, and hopefully um, I learn as much as you do when you take one of my seminars because my, I continue to evolve and um, I'd love to meet you someday. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. And, th you know, thank you so much for uh, sharing uh, not just uh, uh, information about your work, but I think you've really given us an insight into your ethos behind your work. Uh, and it's so wonderful to just hear about the open context and perspective that you clearly practice from. So uh, it's been such a pleasure to, to speak to you today. And I think we're going to give Vocalscope listeners uh, a bit of a special offer, aren't we? Yes, we are. We're going to, if you... Um Enter in the word vocal scope in the coupon code at my website for uh, sign up. You'll get a 10% off uh, almost all of the workshop locations because of the way the classes are set up. There's occasionally one that I cannot offer a discount on, but um, we're going to, you can enter in a, at the PayPal um, coupon code section. If you have any questions or problems on the whole discount thing, um, just send me an email and we'll figure out how to get you that 10% discount. So um, I appreciate, um, Juliet, you being able to help me offer that to your listeners as well. Oh, you're very welcome. And thank you so much for your time today. Have a wonderful day. And uh, I really look forward to meeting you in person when you come to the UK soon. Great. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Walt. Oh, it's the brain. Well done. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's just so fantastic to have this, this dialogue with you. And, um, uh, I, I, you know, I'm really excited to see you.